Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Warren Letter Podcast. This is your host, Russell Warren. I'm the author of the Warren Letter, which is a twice-weekly newsletter, investment newsletter that gets delivered directly to your inbox. Um, I discuss geopolitical events, investing, cryptocurrency, uh, finances, and markets. Uh, if you're interested, you can go to the warrenletter.substack.com. Um, so I wanted to do a podcast today to talk about what's going on and my, my thoughts and views on the Russia and Ukraine situation. Um, this is something that I've been following for a long time. I think I first wrote about this in the spring of last year in April um, about the potential for this, this war to kick off and for Russia to invade Ukraine. Um, no one really believed it was possible. Um, it kind of died down over the summer and the fall. And then in November of this year, I started talking about it in the newsletter and on the podcast that there was a serious potential for Russia to invade Ukraine. I had a few guests on the podcast who um, thought similar things. And, and there was a, a very small minority of us who were really trying to warn everyone in the situation that this, that this is something that could escalate. And as it got closer, it turned from, you know, this is a hypothetical scenario to this is going to happen. Um, and I think that, you know, there's a few of us who, who predicted this about um, two to three months before it actually had happened. And, and then the U.S. intelligence services started saying it as well. But I think up until uh, I believe it was February 26th when they actually or 24th when they actually invaded, I don't think anyone majority of people even knew that there was such a uh, tense and conflicting situation going on. And so, you know, I wanted to make this podcast because those same people who had no idea this was even going on from the beginning are now making, you know, prognostications and, and trying to give advice and trying to give their theory on what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and it just makes me laugh because these are people that didn't even know Ukraine existed or even if you know, didn't even know that Ukraine and Russia uh, were having these tensions since 2014. So seeing these takes on Twitter and hearing podcasts from people who are giving their two cents on the situation when they really have no clue what's going on, it just uh, it made me want to get on and do a podcast so I can so I can clear some some serious misconceptions on. Um, you know, if you look at the mainstream media, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, etc., you're really just hearing the war drums beat at this moment. I mean, all you're hearing is Russia bad, Ukraine good. And, you know, there is some truth to that. I mean, Russia did invade their neighbor and they're doing horrific things, which, of course, is bad. But they also have some legitimate security concerns. The West has been seriously poking them for a long time. And, you know, just the idea, the, the, the very basic level analysis of Russia bad, Ukraine West good, is just, it just has no nuance. And it's just, it's not particularly true. So I want to first uh, go ahead and just clear some things up uh, from my perspective. Um, I've been getting a lot of blowback on Twitter for my opinions. People are saying that I'm a Russian stooge that I'm uh, not a patriot, that I'm uh, uh, a Kremlin troll, 
that I'm uh, a Neville Chamberlain and want to avoid conflict at all costs. Well, you know, because I'm saying and I'm getting this blowback because I'm saying we need to avoid going to war with Russia, who's a nuclear power. And just a little background on myself. You know, I was at Rutgers University for a year and a half during the Iraq war. I left in 2006 and I enlisted in the military. I enlisted specifically in the infantry, even though I could have done pretty much any job in the military I wanted, but I chose to go in the infantry. I went to basic training and airborne school. As soon as I finished that, I ended up at Fort Drum, New York. Two months later, I was in Afghanistan with the 10th Mountain Division in 2006 and 7. After leaving Afghanistan, I went to West Point for four years. I was commissioned as a field artillery officer, and I was with the 1st Cavalry Division. And so my patriotism, uh, I don't think, can be questioned, and I would match my credentials and my service to the country with almost anyone's. So before I begin talking about why it's a bad idea that we provoke Russia, um, I hope you understand it's not coming from a place of uh, being anti-patriotic, because I am very patriotic. And I think it's very patriotic to avoid a nuclear war or a a war with a nuclear power uh, at any means necessary that we can. Because if the most... The, the most anti-patriotic thing would be to get us in a situation where the country ends up having to fight a war that, that was just not necessary from the beginning. So let's talk about the present situation in Ukraine, what's going on here. I suspect that Russia did, underestimated the amount of resistance that they would face from the Ukrainian army and the Ukrainian populace. Before Russia invaded, President Zelensky had an approval rating of 25%. Um, Ukraine is notoriously corrupt. Uh, Ukraine has a lot of problems. They are rated 122 out of 180 on the corruption index, meaning that there's only about 60 countries that are uh, more corrupt than they are. Uh, They have serious problems with human trafficking uh, drug use, uh, all kinds of uh, just serious, serious problems. And so, and there are legitimate issues of the Russian speaking population feeling like they're not being treated well. And there are legitimate uh, concerns about far right and neo Nazi groups operating in Ukraine. I mean, these are, these are facts. You can look them up. There's the Azov Battalion. There's all kinds of uh, far right-wing militia groups that have been involved in the war in Ukraine. So that's, that's first and foremost. But like Professor Mearsheimer always says, there's nothing that'll bring people together like nationalism. So even though Zelensky may have not been the most popular president, even though the, the, the citizens of the country know that there's problems with the country, when a foreign invader comes, all those problems seem to melt to the background and the rallying cry begins to get the foreign invader out. And I mean, this is a theme that's, that's echoed throughout history. Uh, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, you know, even though the Iraqis did not like or did not want to be ruled by, by the Ba'ath Party in Saddam, as soon as a, a foreign invader is in there telling them what to do, 
it immediately pushes those differences to the background and everyone begins to coalesce around the same theme, which is to expel the foreign invaders. So I think Russia thought that they would go into Ukraine, that most people did not like the government in Zelensky and they wouldn't care about who ruled them. And they made the fatal mistake of attempting to um, subdue a populace that does not want to be subdued or, or, or ruled. Additionally, I think Russia underestimated the amount of support um, from the West, from Europe and from NATO that Ukraine would get. I mean, Ukraine and Russia have been essentially or Ukraine has been in a civil war with itself, one side fueled by Russia and the other side fueled by uh, the Ukrainian government for almost eight years now. And for eight years, no one really seemed to care about what was going on there. Uh, I think 14,000 people have died in that civil war before Russia started this most recent invasion, and no one really seemed to care. So I, you know, there was a few of us who were talking about it, but I suspect that Russia had no concept of how much blowback they would get from this. And I want to say, you know, the Ukrainian people are being extremely brave, extremely patriotic. I mean, you have uh, average everyday citizens uh, fighting, you know, for their lives against a very competent army, and they're holding them back. And so, you know, I want to commend the Ukrainians and I'm not uh, negating their heroic efforts in any way. I'm just simply pointing out just some, some facts, even though they may be uncomfortable. And so we, the U.S., and I, I've been saying this, we should not do anything to provoke a war with Russia. And I wrote some notes here about what I want to talk about in the podcast. And just looking over at it, I almost chuckled and I wrote, explain why a war with Russia would be bad. And so if I have to explain that, that's just, it seems, uh, it seems silly to even have to, to go into sp- explaining why a war with Russia would be bad. But I am seeing all over social media and the news, the war drums beating about all these things we need to do against Russia. Um, I'm seeing people saying Putin is Hitler and that Putin is crazy, that we need to stop him. We need to do all these things. I saw a tweet today, which I just almost fell out of my chair, from Bill Ackman, uh, one of the most corrupt people on Wall Street, one of the most uh, uh, selfish and disgusting humans on the planet. And he tweeted that, when do we need to stop standing by and take action against Russia and Putin? I mean, this is a guy who will never, his children will never see war. He will never see war. He's worth billions of dollars. He manipulates, uses the media to manipulate markets and is a billionaire and is calling for us to send uh, or us to escalate a situation with Russia where we end up, you know, where we could end up in a situation where you have U.S. soldiers fighting against Russian soldiers. And and it's just it's, it's really, really incredible to see uh, how fast the population has turned from, you know, what is Ukraine to now let's go to war with Russia. And so. I'm going to explain why a war with Russia would be horrific for everyone, for the world, for Russian citizens, for the U.S. citizens, for everyone. Well, first of all, and first and foremost, they're a nuclear power. They actually have more nukes than the United States has. And hopefully, you know, as you always wish, cooler heads will prevail. And even if we did get into a hot war, they wouldn't be nuking us because of the uh, mutually assured destruction that they would receive. 
Uh, but whenever someone is cornered and desperate, you never know what someone would do, right? The fact that they have nuclear weapons and the ability with the push of a button to wipe the United States and civilization off the face of the planet uh, is something that we need to really actually consider when we think about the escalation steps we're going to take towards Russia. The second thing is, and for some reason, I keep thinking of the movie, The Patriot. In The Patriot, there's a scene where Mel Gibson is, is telling the Continental Congress why we shouldn't go to war with Britain. And he tells Britain, he goes, you know, he tells the Continental Congress and the members of the delegation, he says, this war is not going to be fought uh, in some faraway wilderness. And this war will be in, right in our cities where we live, in our homes. It will affect our children and our family. And that's the same thing that if we go to war with Russia. Russia has the ability through cyber, through uh, hypersonic missiles, through satellites, through uh, EMPs. They have almost the same amount of modern weaponry that we have. Going to war with Russia, total war, means they it would be free to hack into our electrical grid, our, our infrastructure, our pipelines, into the financial markets, they would, they would make the life for the average American just horrific. Um, and I don't think the West uh, understands what that would be like. You know, the West has, has been privileged at this point to have not had war on their soil for a long, long time. I mean, probably since the, yeah, since the Civil War, there's been no uh, war on American soil, right? And so uh, World War I was fought in Europe. World War II was fought in Europe. Away from the U.S., yeah, there was bombings in Pearl Harbor and some incursions in Alaska. But most of all, the, the, the fighting was done somewhere else. Uh, Vietnam, the same way. Iraq, Afghanistan, these are all wars that the general populace that wasn't fighting in the war, I mean, from World War II on, didn't really have to sacrifice too much uh, in terms of these wars. We have a professional military who would uh, deploy and fight. And the average person, you know, one, I think it's half a percent of the U.S. population served in the military. So the average person just going about their lives would not be, you know, has not been affected by these wars. If you escalate and go to war with Russia, the average person will be severely affected by this. Like I said, they have the ability through cyber means to hack into almost every system that we have. And yes, we have the ability to do the same to them. But again, this is why it's so dangerous. I mean, in 2015, Russian hackers had access and open door access to the NASDAQ stock exchange for weeks. Uh, they found all kinds of encoding and things going on in the stock exchange. If they were given the order and they wanted to, they could literally reset the market to zero. They could crash our entire economy. They could flood. Uh, they can hack into dams and flood areas of the country. They can turn off our electric grid. They can do all kinds of stuff to us just by cyber means that would severely impact the economy and the life of the average American person. And I don't think any person in America uh, is understands or is ready for what what that would mean. So a war with Russia would be very, very bad. Not, not to mention the fact, again, that they have nuclear weapons. They have the ability to affect our satellites, which would throw off all kinds of uh, GPS, all kinds of problems uh, with our space stations and, and all the satellites that we use to run our military. 
Um, they can do all kinds of stuff to us. And so we need to do everything we can as, as, a, as a country, as a, as a population, to avoid going to war with Russia. Now, now I'm saying that it doesn't mean I'm, I'm pro-Russia or I'm a, a, a Russian troll or anti-American. That just is the reality of the situation. And, you know, like I stated before, I was deployed to Afghanistan. Uh, I received the combat infantry badge for being in, you know, actual combat. Uh, the base where I lived was was rocketed. We were in firefights. And that, and, and that was all horrific stuff. But I will tell you that is absolutely, that has, that is nothing that would, going to war with a peer adversary like Russia, where they have thermobaric missiles, where they have all modern weaponry, drones, et cetera, would make, you know, being deployed to Afghanistan look like a tea party, right? This is a, facing an adversary that had, that this isn't, you know, a insurgency group with AK-47s and RPGs and leftover rockets from the Soviet era. This is a modern army uh, w- who would just, you know, be unleashing on us just, you know, a hell that no one can imagine. And so I think it is more patriotic to do everything you can to say that you don't want to go to war with Russia and avoid a war with Russia um, than it is to get on Twitter and, and start trying to talk tough to Russia because the problem is that one, these things have, a, have an ability to escalate out of control, right? Already we're seeing, you know, we have the, the Ukraine, uh, we have Russia invading Ukraine, and it started with we're going to put in sanctions so now you're really crippling uh, Russia's economy, which makes them, which is, you know, a, a, a conflict, which is a, an a- aggressive act from the West towards Russia. And then you had these ramped up sanctions where now you have uh, Russian banks being removed from SWIFT, uh, the targeting of Vladimir Putin, the targeting of certain um, uh, financial institutions and certain oligarchs in Russia, which again is an aggressive act. And now you have the European countries saying they want to arm uh, Ukrainians fighting in, uh, in Ukraine against Russia. And for the furthest escalation is that some EU countries are saying they want to provide uh, planes and people are calling for a no-fly zone over Ukraine. Now, what would... What would the reaction of the United States be is if when we invaded Iraq in 2003, if Russia declared publicly that they were going to be giving the Iraqi insurgents all kinds of modern weaponry? What would the reaction of the United States be if in 2003 in Iraq, Russia declared they were going to uh, institute a no-fly zone over, over Iraq, meaning that any American planes that were flying in the area would be shot down on site? What would that reaction be? That would that would be, I, I, judging by the reaction that we've seen, just in the last few days, that would be the war drums all over again, and people would be calling for us to go and nuke Russia. So, uh, so how can you not understand the Russian perspective by us providing weapons to Ukraine, us providing no-fly zones, these severe sanctions on Russia? How can you not understand that Russians perceive that as a aggressive act? And oftentimes, and we've seen this throughout history, is that one aggressive act often leads to another aggressive act, which creates an escalating situation until it reaches a point where it's out of control. So all I'm saying is I think we need to take a step back here. 
we need to really, really focus on de-escalating because we're getting, and I'm, I mean, I'm seeing it in the media. I mean, they're bringing on guest after guest after guest who all there's, there's no other perspective coming on uh, any of the news channels other than Russia's really bad and we need war with Russia or we need to do all these aggressive things towards Russia and stop Russia because uh, Putin is crazy. I've seen just asinine comparisons that Putin is Hitler, all these kind of things. And it's just very, very scary. And it's very ironic coming from people who had no idea this was even a threat within two or three days. Now they're saying, you know, are promoting policies that'll push us towards the brink of war with a nuclear power. And it just absolutely boggles my mind. And it's just, and if you uh, go against the mainstream narrative, people, people are accusing you of being anti-patriotic and pro-Kremlin. And to me, it's just absolutely boggles, uh, boggles my mind. And I cannot believe that we're at this point where, where people are promoting, you know, this kind of silliness. I mean, I have some, some, some tweets here that I saved, just some of the some of the worst takes uh, that I've received on 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 Twitter, and I'm just going to read some of them out to you. Uh, let's see here. So uh, I had a guy write. So I saw a tweet where a guy put, "The Russian army has encircled Kiev. These are not precision guided weapons. They are mass destruction. Many civilians will be killed. It's time to invoke Article Five. And for those who don't know, Article Five is is the article within the uh, uh, Declaration of NATO." that NATO countries will protect one another and Ukraine is not a member of NATO and put a stop to this madness. Hashtag Putin is Hitler. Hashtag Putin is a terrorist. So I responded and I said, this is very dangerous. This could lead to world war three. And the response I got from this guy was you strike me as the type of guy that would flee the country if we were ever to be invaded. Uh, so yes, uh, not wanting to go to war with Russia means that I am uh, uh, scared and would flee the country if we were being invaded. This is this is the, where we're at right now. Um, let's see where uh, let's see some of these other twitters. Oh yeah, Bill Ackman, POTUS. Is there a point at which we say it's un-American to sit back and watch this transpire? We are fighting with an economic war with Russia. We are supplying weapons and intelligence with our allies, and the Ukrainians are putting up an incredible fight. Basically, and then he goes on in other tweets to call on Russia to put, you know, U.S. troops basically and declare a war on Russia. Bill Ackman, who, again, billionaire, corrupt Wall Street guy, would never, ever see any a bullet fly near his head or a rocket land at his feet ever uh, if we go to war with Russia because he is that uh, insulated and wealthy. And he's on here banging, you know, the war drums to go to war uh, with Russia. Uh, oh, here we go. I, I put I put a tweet and I said, we really need to calm everything down. We don't want to go to war with a nuclear power. A response that I got, what are you, some kind of Kremlin stooge, a neo-Neville Chamberlain? I promise you we have the capability in all warfare domain to bring Russia to its knees. Russians do ne- not want to fight with us and NATO under any circumstances. It's time to play the ace card and go for it. So, I mean, this is the kind of stuff... Oh, here we go. Bro, they will always try to destroy you. If not today, tomorrow or next week, Putin won't stop. He will ruin your country unless you all stand up and fight him. So, again, uh, you have people who really have no idea what they're talking about coming on and trying to promote a war with Russia. And so I think my hope is that and I, I, I this hope is dwindling by the day based on the news that I'm seeing, the tweets that I'm seeing, the social media posts. 
my hope is that cooler heads will prevail and there will be a, a serious de-escalation of, of, of tensions. But I hope you all understand that the, already the steps that we have taken um, against Russia is a very av- aggressive act. And if those same steps, if the shoes were reversed, the roles were reversed, and Russia took those steps against us for what we did in Iraq, we would be, again, beating the war drums. And I think, uh, and I, you know, at the risk of repeating myself, I suspect that Americans are so likely or so, are so blasé about war because they don't understand and they haven't had to sacrifice anything to uh, fight in these wars. And so, uh, of course, yes, you know, family members of soldiers who died and things like that. But I'm talking about on a large scale level. I mean, even in World War II, a war that was, you know, all hands on deck, full war that we fought, you know, in Europe and and throughout the Pacific, the United States lost 400,000 people in that war, uh, 400,000 military members. Russia, there is estimates that Russia lost over 20 million military personnel fighting in that war. And if you count civilian, 27 million people. So they lost, I mean, their, their sacrifice in World War II, their destruction in World War II pales in comparison to anything that we've sacrificed. And the fact that people are now calling for wars because their generations are so far removed from having to deal with the realities of what a war that would affect the average everyday American would inflict on us is, is something that I'm noticing and that I'm seeing. And it's very scary because it, it, this escalated extremely quickly from, you know, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, that's not my problem, to we need to declare war on Russia. And so I just, I wanted to get on the podcast and kind of clear up some of my views on that, uh, put out my piece on, on my, you know, what I think about is going on in this situation. And again, you know, I think Ukraine is fighting very bravely. I, I, I you know, commend them and applaud them. And I hope that their uh, efforts um, in fighting, you know, an invasion is, um, you know, uh, does pro- pro- provide a way to de-escalate the situation. However, my fear, and I've, you know, some others have this fear as well. My fear is that Russia attempted a half-hearted invasion, hoping that um, they could keep civilian casualties at a minimum, hoping that they could easily collapse the government, hoping that the uh, Ukrainian people would kind of give in and just accept Russian rule. And the fact that that hasn't happened yet um, worries me because now, uh, you know, Russia has basically fought this invasion with kid gloves. Um, and as anyone who's followed what happened uh, with the Russian army in um, uh, in Syria, um, in Chechnya, um, in other places that Russia has fought, I mean, their doctrine is essentially not to fight in counterinsurgency war. It's to pull back out of the cities and use uh, uh, heavy artillery, uh, aerial bombardments, uh, thermobaric weapons to essentially decimate any resistance that they face. And they have not done that yet, thank God. They have been very um, uh, careful uh, about trying to attack military targets only and things like this. But my fear is that the longer this drags on, the more they're going to 
just let loose and, and it's going to create an even worse catastrophic humanitarian situation than, uh, uh, than it's already been and, and that we're facing. And so again, I, I commend the Ukrainians. I hope that, um, you know, I saw an article today that Russia and Ukraine are meeting in Belarus to discuss peace, peace terms. And I hope that um, this can be resolved peacefully. Um, but, you know, the narrative of, again, of just Russia bad, Ukraine good is, is somewhat skewed. I mean, you know, and I'm not saying this because I'm pro-Russian or anything, but Russia does have there are legitimate security concerns and invasion and war is never, never a solution, but Russia, there are legitimate security concerns that Russia has that have led to this conflict. Now, again, Russia is the bad actor here because they are invading another sovereign country, but the, this, these security concerns that, that Russia has are very real. NATO you know, in 19, if you, you can find the maps all over the internet, look at NATO in 1997 and look at the countries that were involved in it. And then now look at NATO in 2022 and see how far the countries that are uh, part of NATO or trying to join NATO expand to the Russian border. And, you know, again, I'm using this, this analogy, but this is, this would be a similar situation. Um, just imagine from the American perspective, is if Russia had this treaty alliance with all these other countries who are essentially anti-American and try and, and had uh, uh, NATO alliances with countries in, throughout South America, and now they were trying to ally themselves with Mexico and bring uh, uh, Mexico into an Article 5 situation where they're a member of NATO and put um, weaponry, um, you know, and share trade with Mexico and put weaponry on the Mexican border with the United States or the Canadian border with the United States. This is a real security threat. And the U.S. would never, ever put up with uh, Mexico allying themselves with Russia and putting Russian weapons in Mexico uh, facing the United States. And now I'm seeing people on the news saying this is not true. This is a myth. No, this is true. This is what is happening. People are claiming NATO is a defensive alliance. Well, that, I mean, you're a defensive alliance until you're not. And NATO has been very aggressive in, in Syria, in Iraq, in Libya to, to call them a, def- to, to say, it's okay. We'll put missile launchers, uh, on your border but we're a defensive alliance, so you don't have to worry about it. Just trust us. No rational leader is going to trust someone doing that. So Putin here does, Russia does have legitimate security concerns about Ukraine becoming a member of NATO and potentially uh, uh, being armed by Western weapons. And so, you know, the, the, the idea of just that, that everything Putin's saying is not true uh, Russia's security concerns are just a farce is just ridiculous because there are people that have been saying for a long time, as well as me, that there are legitimate security concerns with the NATO expansion towards Russia. And so I'm not taking one side or the other. I'm just saying here that the narrative of just Russia bad, Ukraine, West Europe good is not entirely accurate. There are legitimate security concerns that Russia has that if the roles were reversed, the U.S. would be very, very upset about. And we have proof of this because in World War I, 
U.S. was out of the war. Most citizens, rightfully so, did not want to be involved, or most U.S. citizens did not want to be involved in a war in Europe. And the re- you know, after the, the Lusitania was bombed, things like that, the real reason, the big push for us to get involved in World War I is because a British uh, uh, spy, I guess, intercepted a telegraph between Germany and Mexico. It was called the Zimmerman Telegraph where Germany told Mexico that if they allied themselves, allied themselves with Germany and created havoc for the U.S. to keep us out of the war, they would, New Mexico, Arizona, and California, and Texas would return back to Mexico uh, rule. It would become part of Mexico again. And so this, uh, basically, once press and the media got a hold of this, the war drums started beating and everybody was on board with going to war against Germany because there was a threat to our homeland, right? Which is, you know, Mexico allying themselves with Germany. And if uh, the U.S. stayed out of the war, the U.S. lost the war if they came in, that uh, Germany would give territory of the United States to Mexico. And so now think about that in the same version that uh, Russia is saying they have problems with Ukraine joining NATO. It's the same exact thing. A country that borders their country joining an alliance that's unfriendly to them. I mean, anyone could, if they just sit back and think rationally about it, can understand why that is a concern. Now, of course, again, not an excuse to invade another country or or start war. It's just the idea that just uh, uh, Vladimir Putin is acting as an irrational and crazy person and attacking Ukraine for no reason. And there's no legitimate security concerns. It's just absolutely not true. And so, um, you know, when I'm listening to this stuff and I've, I've been talking about this stuff again for months and I'm listening to this stuff and I'm just shaking my head because it's very obvious to me, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a history buff. I studied history at, at, at West Point. I studied history on my own. And, you know, I always was surprised about how quickly um, populations could become uh, pro-war and wanting to volunteer and go and fight in wars that would have no benefit to their personal lives. And now it's interesting. I get to see it in real time. I mean, there is a legitimate uh, 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 shift in the American population that now they're talking about wanting to go to war with Russia. And so, um, you know, I just just wanted to come on here and kind of give my piece about what I thought was going on, um, give some insights that I had about the situation as someone's been following it for a long time. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of my stance on it. That's my perspective on it. You know, I don't, I, I just wanted to give kind of my opinion. Um, and the last thing I wanted to talk about was, were, were these sanctions. So, um, and this kind of ties into what I was going to talk about last week, but obviously this, uh, this Russian news um, took over from that. Um, you know, we're seeing, we saw in Canada, um, there was these trucker protests and it kind of faded back into the media now, but there was these trucker protests going on. And one of the things that the government of Canada was able to do was uh, seize bank accounts, close bank accounts and freeze funds of anyone who was donating to um, uh, to these this trucker protest. And now, again, I don't get political on this show, but um you know, the fact that a government has the ability and they were able to do it with crypto has the ability to freeze funds, lock bank accounts, uh, force, uh, you know, force banks to hand over your information for supporting a cause 
that uh, is against what the government thinks is right uh, is a very, very scary thing. Um, you know, and now if you take that to even a more extreme level, what the U.S. and Europe are doing against Russia, imposing these extremely harsh sanctions, whether whether or not they're justified is up to your opinion, but imposing extremely harsh sanctions, uh, stopping Russia from from selling their foreign reserves, um, essentially freezing their banks, they're creating an economic uh, catastrophe in Russia, they're creating, they're going to create a serious blowback from the Russian populace because the average Russian has no say in what goes on in Russia, right? You're, but now you're punishing the populace and whatever you punish the populace, I mean, look what happened after in World War One after Germany. You know, that was a horrific war and France and Britain wanted to make sure that Germany could never become a superpower again. And so they imposed some of the most harsh uh, sanctions, financial sanctions on Germany throughout, you know, in history. And what happened? You had the rise of Adolf Hitler because now you had an enemy. You had, you had people, the average person suffering from hyperinflation and, and severe economic recession. And they got angry and Hitler wrote, was able to rise to power using that anger. And then you had, you know, World War II and the catastrophes that happened there. And so, you, you know, now you're going to be punishing the Russian population by shutting off their banks off of any international trading system, you're having uh, bank runs in Russia, which means people are going to the bank and trying to pull all their money out because they're afraid their their accounts are going to get frozen. They're not going to be able to uh, exchange the the Russian ruble for euros or dollars. The Russian currency has crashed. Um, I think it's down 63%. The last time I checked, the Russian stock market has crashed. Um, and, and you're just creating a, a, an economic catastrophe in in Russia that that is going to affect, uh, you know, whenever, you know, whenever people are extremely wealthy, like oligarchs, they always have ways to hide their money. And, and you know, they, they they have ways that they're insulated. But the average person in Russia, I mean, they're going to be really hurt by this. Their 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 economy is going to be you know in ruins. And so, again, you know, uh, nationalism is one of the most powerful forces. It. it it is very easy to see how the average Russian person now starts turning against the West instead of turning against their own government, which I think is the goal of these sanctions. But all this is to say that um, the ability of the West, especially the United States, because we have a, a uh, dollar uh, global hegemony, I mean, we have the world reserve currency uh, that some people call it the petrodollar, where oil is traded in, in the United States dollar. We have the ability to impose these sanctions on other countries. And so there, there's talk out there, and I agree with this, that this, these kind of sanctions, you know, China is watching this, right? They're watching the reaction and the uh, uh, crippling economic repercussions that are coming with, uh, you know, the ability of the U.S. to sanction someone. Um, there, Russia is obviously feeling this and they're seeing what happens when, um, you know, uh, someone controls the world reserve currency and is able to use that as a weapon. And so this will, uh, accelerate the pace at which countries are trying to either, um, evolve uh, trading systems away from the U S dollar or away from the SWIFT system. And so it is very, very easy to see how 
even countries that are our allies at this moment or our friends or have, you know, we're not enemies with, uh, will change or switch or attempt to at least move away from using U.S. dollars uh, as their main currency to trade with and start pricing things in other currencies. Maybe they'll create a new currency to trade on. Maybe they'll use a gold-backed currency or some sort of uh, uh, digital currency. But you could, I mean, any country can see, you know, if you know history, the writing on the wall is that your ally today could be your enemy tomorrow. So I think a lot of people are watching this and saying, wow, the U.S. really has this, this insane power to use their world reserve currency and their, and their U.S. dollar hegemony to kind of force us and bully us to do what, what they think is right and what they want us to do. And so I think this will um, speed up the acceleration of the attempt of countries to de-dollarize. Um, I know Russia was talking, talking about trading oil uh, in euros. Obviously, Iran would benefit from getting away from the U.S. dollar system. Uh, and I think the big player in this is China. I think China is watching this and saying, OK, if we do something that the U.S. doesn't like, are they going to sanction us as well? Are they going to use their U.S. dollar power to um, uh, attack us? And, and, you know, not in the military means, but in the financial means and economic means, which sometimes can inflict more pain and damage on a population than bombs and bullets. And so, uh, uh, you know, the U.S. needs to be really careful because I think they're accelerating a de-dollarization event that once we lose that that power of U.S. dollar hegemony and the world reserve currency, we won't be able to get it back. And that will that will create serious economic ripples here in the U.S. So that's something else that I uh, that I wanted to point out, kind of a, a second and third order effect of this uh, Ukraine Russia situation. So. Anyway, that's just my thoughts on it. I wanted to get on the podcast where I had a little bit more of uh, ability to kind of voice my opinions and voice my thoughts on this. And um, I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all learned something from it. You know, if you disagree with me, that's completely fine. That's, that's, that's allowed. I just, I just wanted to be able to voice an alternative opinion from uh, what I'm seeing, you know, constantly being fed. Um, you know, with a lot of inaccuracies and just, and just, you know, very, very, very uh, basic analysis of Russia bad, U.S. good, Russia bad, Ukraine good, and where it really is a lot more nuanced than that. So I appreciate you all listening so much. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the time out to hear my thoughts on the situation. Um, if you want to reach out to me, my Twitter is at retirement right. Um, and I'll probably be writing a newsletter this afternoon, just talking a little bit about the de-dollarization and things like that. I'm probably going to step back a little bit on the Russia-Ukraine stuff. Um, it's something I've been following, again, for a long time. Um, once the invasion started, I was really consumed by it. I was watching it, you know, not sleeping a lot and watching it. And so I'm probably going to take a, a step back and try and uh, focus on some other things because, you know, the, the humanitarian side of it is just horrific, as well as, uh, uh, you know, the fear of this escalating into something wor worse. So, um, you know, if you want to reach me, I'll be on Twitter at Retirement Right. If you're interested in, in more of my thoughts, you can sign up for my newsletter. And that website is The Warren Letter dot substack.com. So again, thank you all so much. Uh, you know, hope for peace, pray for peace, and uh, we'll, we'll see where this goes. Thank you all.